0: Oh, hi there. I uh didn't notice you. I'm uh just sweeping up a little bit. Uh you know, there's a little something I'll probably regret in a couple weeks, but uh <clears throat> baseball season's underway. Try to get ready for a brand new day. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win someday, but not today or this weekend.
1: You're- Destination for TV superfan discussion. After Buzz TV, and now let the buzz
0: begin. Oh, that's right. We're doing all we can. We're boning in the boneyard because the Mets are befell by bone spurs, but they won't let that stop the party. Much like our friends Fishbone that we hear musically. Hello, I'm Christian Blatt on Twitter, at ChristianDMZ. Our friend uh, Andrea Fasano on assignment, and we'll check in with Matt Ritter a little bit later. He's got a gig tonight, so he'll tell us about that and also give us his thoughts on a great Mets week, which didn't start out like a great Mets week, but that's besides the point. In any case, uh, I have a, a very special guest who I want to introduce via Skype right away, on Twitter, at John Pett, P-E-T-T-E. That's my friend John Pett. John! Welcome to Mets 360. Thank you. You know, the worst part is, because this is via Skype, and I told you this before we started, you didn't get to see my great prop work. I had, uh, for our video viewers, obviously, if you're listening on iTunes, you'll have to check out the video on the uh, AfterBuzz uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I had a dustpan and a broom, and I did a little sweep because the Mets just swept the Cubs. And uh, I'm packing it up in my ridiculous bag of Mets trinkets. And my wife had a great point. She's like, Why don't you break the big broom? But it was so awkward to use the little broom just now. I'm really glad that I I stuck with it because if I stood up to do like Sandman on Showtime at the Apollo, it just would have looked really weird. In any case, John, thank you so much for taking time. There's a lot of Mets stuff to talk about, but whenever we have anybody on the show, we always start off with where are you from and how did you end up a Mets fan? Because it, it is sort of like, oh no, you know, which kind of... You know, disease. Did you choose to get? You know, it's not something that most people are are. You know, you don't choose to be a Mets fan. Usually, you're born into it. So, tell our listeners a little bit about how you became a Mets fan before we get started. Well,
1: in my case, it was by choice. Um, Very, very poor choice, generally, but it was by choice. Um, uh, When I was very little. I was a White Sox fan, just mainly because I liked their colors.
0: Was this um, when they wore the shorts?
1: No, no. This was okay, well it's a little after, bit
0: after that. Oh, OK. Yeah.
1: Slightly after that. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, about 1984, I got swept up in New York in the uh, the Gooden thing. And uh, the family was also mainly Mets fans. And I went that way.
0: Makes sense, you know, and uh, we've talked about this a few times on the show. You know, it depends on how old you are. My brother's five years older than me. When the Yankees were in the World Series in the, the late 70s, he was sort of paying attention and collecting baseball cards. But when we were in elementary school, the Yankees weren't in much of anything. So uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot more buzz about the Mets. Besides, they had that great advertising slogan, bring your kids to meet our kids. So obviously that's even though we didn't go, that somehow spoke – To uh, people that were, you know, around our age, 9, 10, when the Mets won a World Series. Um, And you have sort of an interesting wrinkle. You know, a lot of people, they go off to college and you're in a different city. So you get a little bit more diehard about your team because you're surrounded by people who are fans of a different team, sometimes for the first time. But uh, talk about how in, uh, in fourth grade, you shipped off to Tokyo and how that kind of all of a sudden made the Mets a lot more important because they were so far away know that's
1: that's exactly what happened you know when you go when you go overseas and particularly at that point in the old days pre internet um i uh, i I needed to stay in touch with with the states and you never get nearly as patriotic as you are when you're away from home so I became more of a New Yorker than I had ever been when I moved to tokyo and uh the the sports loyalties came with that so i I was I was a Mets fan when they won in '86, but I didn't see it.
0: No, did you get to listen on the radio? Was it on like the Armed Forces Radio Service, or you just was on that? Yeah,
1: uh, but I was in the fifth grade and in school. In school at that moment, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, um, you know, was sort of as people who know me know, uh, being a Mets fan has a lot to do with being friends with you. Uh, That time I got definitely caught up in it uh, because of uh, the wonderful. Z one hundred Z morning zoo. They would talk about it in the morning, and I'd be excited. So that was how I found out what would happen in games because I I wasn't staying up that late. I, I wasn't allowed, and I think that was before I had a TV in my room. But anyway, that's more of a personal thing. But that's how you know you just end up getting a lot more diehard, and you get the World Series in fifth grade, and that was a great team. And you're like, all right, well, you know, we'll be back. We'll get we'll get some more, you that's know. Right. And you got the NLCS in 1988. Were you back for the NLCS that year? Yeah. I was, and so, I was
1: more wrapped up in that than than any other sporting event yeah, that yeah. had happened in my life to that point. Well, and we don't really was, have uh, to
0: talk about the way that that panned out, but, uh, you know, yeah. that's... <laughs> but that yeah. was my
1: first taste of the the true crushing disappointment.
0: Yeah. Which there, there's been much of since then because uh, John is uh, a he's a Mets fan, a Jets fan, like so many people are, and you don't really follow the NBA, but it doesn't matter because it's not like the the Knicks have rewarded anyone, so you're just saving yourself some time. You did have the Rangers our senior year of high school. I remember that. And, I listened to that one. Yeah. And, you know, you're not a Giants fan, but they did beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. So you kind of get some level of satisfaction out of that. But uh, anyway, so uh, we started with a great song, Fishbone, Bonin' in the Boneyard. And that's because there were reports earlier in the week. The big story at the beginning of the week was, uh-oh, bone spurs for Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Syndergaard looked great today, not, not his previous start uh matt's looked all right, but uh, are you concerned about bone spurs because I'm sure you've read up about it more than you ever thought you would have read about bone spurs in your life
1: um I'm a little concerned um i'm less concerned about cindergard interestingly because he seems to it's it's not it doesn't seem to be affecting his accuracy much Matt's has been a little up and down he looked good last time and he looked angry last time out so that that was encouraging but i I guess i'm a little i I don't quite understand how pitching through these wouldn't be damaging yeah so that's what my biggest concern is but apparently that's not true so
0: yeah well you know i mean they couldn't possibly be wrong so uh you know there's (laughs) what's the worst that could happen so medical assessments in the mets that never goes poorly that's, that's fine you know uh yeah, you know, maybe Rick Peterson just needs 10 minutes with him to uh, hey, you know fix whoa. his bone spur. What? Uh, and so, you know, also midweek, there were concerns about Granderson's injury, but, uh, you know, he missed four days, but looked pretty good today. Looked all right. Not something we have to uh, hopefully don't have to worry about for too long. Uh, something that wasn't getting a lot of press, but I heard rumors. Uh, what do you think about the Mets making a deal for Yunel Escobar, who is tearing it up for the Angels? Someone I've never enjoyed because I've almost always had him on my fantasy team because he's available every infield position and I think sometimes some years he even qualifies in the outfield. Uh
1: you know, I hadn't it's it's gotten so little press outside of where you are that I didn't hear about it at all until you mentioned it.
0: And then you kind um, of looked and you were like, "Oh, okay, yep. I guess Yeah." So, yeah. So, what
1: do I think about it? I'm not sure. I On the one hand, I don't think he's nearly as good as he's been showing. we know that you know, sure. history, but on the other, I think this team could really use somebody who's uh, who can scrape runs to get uh, scrape out runs. Yeah. Um, which is something that this team doesn't do well. You know, it's the worst hitting worst batting average with runners in scoring position by a lot and actually historically low. Um, so they could probably use somebody who can, who can get a base hit and drive in a run that said, I don't know where I would put him because um, you got Jose Reyes coming up. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a second. Anything, yeah. yeah. If there were anything that would actually bring this guy back to a level of production that, that he was capable of a couple of years ago, it would probably be coming back to the Mets. I've never seen somebody as heartbroken to leave a team as, as I've seen as I saw with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he was heartbroken, but also, you know, the big bad Miami Marlins uh, offered him so much money for what was guaranteed to be their championship team. And was he on the team for five months before uh, he got yeah. dealt away to the Blue Jays? Yeah. So, yeah, but I think that uh, obviously we talked a lot about it when it was first announced here at the show, and I feel like if he's going to succeed ever again in his career, this is it. Uh, and again, you can't see, but I have a lovely bottle of cabaret. It is a Cabaret uh, wine that I bought in New York, I believe in 2008 or so, so it's probably really good. Uh, it remains unopened <laughs> because he's still not with the team but when he's up with the team and he has a a big night or even a great week then we're gonna enjoy it here at the show but this is the bottle of Cabarets that i showed last week so i make sure everybody can uh see that if you watch the video at youtube um he's uh he's doing well in in binghamton for the b mets and you know he had a he had a couple games in coney island for the uh, cyclones you know, if I still lived on the East Coast, I feel like we would be in Binghamton, maybe right this very minute to uh, see Jose lead off for the B-Mets. But, very possible. But uh, no, we're not. You know, uh, we did uh, we did go to a lot of games together uh, over the years. In fact, the first baseball game I ever attended in person is uh, photo one that we have uh, Jonathan, our engineer, um, which is not confusing at all. Our guest name is John, and our engineer's name is Jonathan. But uh, and it's a it's one of my favorite pictures because I posted on Facebook. Facebook periodically, because it's just Shea Stadium looks very underwhelming with the big sign that says home of the New York Mets. You know, it's the 1995 picture that we have. Yep. Uh, and so our uh, viewers are able to see that uh, relic to a bygone era. But I look <laughs> at it and it's such a wide picture that I, I want to also show a more embarrassing photo of us from a year <laughs> earlier. Uh, that would be picture number two. Uh, And that's from a taping of Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And um, I don't know what's going on with my hair, but I I wanted to share it. Um, I felt like that worked for me. (laughs) I I don't know that it did. But uh, again, this is just sort of a personal thing that I wanted people to see. Uh, We'll talk more about some of the more successful games we went to. Uh, But let's start That shouldn't take long. (laughs) It it won't, actually. Uh, But... Let's uh, start off by talking about uh, the week as a whole, which unfortunately for you involves a very unsuccessful game you went to. You were at Monday night's uh, Nats Mets game. You live in Washington, D.C., I should probably mention. And we'll talk a little bit about that as a whole. But uh, give us your thoughts of being at a game where the Mets come out to an early 4-0 lead. You got Syndergaard on the mound. Uh, this is before we were quite so worried about hashtag bone spurs. Uh, paint a paint a mental picture for our audience, John.
1: I think I can sum it up by saying that the guy next to me told his dad who was sitting next to him at wondered if they should leave when it was for nothing. Wow. Yeah. So that, I mean, and four that, runs. It, it's Mets important. But so, yeah, th-
0: those were Nats fans that thought they should leave when it's for nothing. That's right. Yeah. Well that's um, that's a yeah, great, but, you know, four I a great runs. Great follow up question on that. Yeah. Month,
1: yeah. That was a that that's great. You know, yeah. you're, you're good. If <laughs> you can get it's more real. than one, you're good. But uh, yeah, I thought we were in pretty good shape there, uh, as Met fans, and um, it all came apart very quickly, um, in agonizing fashion. It yeah. was a really miserable game to be at. And it, uh, it
0: was a it was a, a very painful game to just watch on the internet. So uh, being there, I knew I, I knew you were there, and I was like, "Oof, that's a rough one." Um, probably not the worst game you were at, but that has to be a bad feeling uh, all across the board, right?
1: Yeah, it was. It was an unfortunate game. It's actually, you know, I, you know how how I've made you suffer through some horrible ones because I never leave early. Yeah, well, um, I,
0: I almost never leave early. I've left early a couple times yeah. with very extenuating circumstances. Uh, I actually but, yeah.
1: left early from this game because I just couldn't put my fiance through that any longer. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that that's fair. Oh, so so cat went with you. That makes sense. She did. Yeah, yeah I, I understand. Yeah, I know. There was a time you were on crutches, and it went into like the eleventh inning, and they ultimately <laughs> lost. And we we stayed. We we mm. stayed till the very. <laughs> Very bitter end. And, yeah, you know, it's Bryce
1: Harper walk off Homer.
0: Yeah, of course, because how else was that game going to end? And it's it's kind of in before we talk more about the rest of the series against the Nats, which will be brief because what a great series against the Cubs. So don't worry. We will get to that. But talk a little bit about uh, something that I deal with when you live in another city. And fortunately, you live in a city where it's a National League East team you know, in my case, it's at least a National League city. And you regularly want to see your team. They only come so often. At least you're in the same division. So I think you get nine chances instead of the the three or four I get. And so you want to go, but you always see them away. And previously, before you lived in Washington, you lived in Atlanta. So Talk a little bit about those great experiences you have of going to see the Mets play the Braves, in you know the, those sort of early two thousand teams, and then the Nationals from kind of the the mid two thousands onward. Do
1: I have to? Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Um. So Atlanta was just it was just torture because the Braves just destroyed the Mets for de- what a decade and plus? it was
0: mostly Chipper. You know, I mean, the pitching yeah. was unhittable, but Chipper just, you know, he he named his he named his kid Shea after Shea Stadium because he hits so well there, Dick. But, uh, you yeah. know, so uh, anyway. Yeah. So, that, yeah, it was just so, such a miserable experience. It was torture and I had to go. And of course, you
1: know, I think I think I may I might have seen two victories in yeah. the 3 years that I lived there.
0: Well, let's let's talk about one for our video viewers. I'm wearing this orange Pedro Martinez uh, batting practice shirt, and you and I went to a great game in 2005. Uh Pedro matched up with John Smoltz. Mm-hmm. We had matching obnoxious orange Pedro Martinez batting practice t-shirts. We Thank sat you in very the much. you're <laughs> very welcome. We sat in the outfield. Uh so Go figure. We got shown up on the big board a couple times. Uh, one of them was a license plate game where I think the license plate around us spelled something about want to be Yankee fan.
1: Yeah. But uh,
0: talk about the second time we got shown up on the big board in our matching orange Mets shirts.
1: I, I just knew it was coming when the kiss cam thing started going, you know, our big mistake was we didn't really discuss it. Yeah. Um, which That's we true. Should've, we should have known um, that
0: that was going to happen. Yeah,
1: We should have known. And it did, of course. We were put on the Kiss Cam. And I decided to uh, mug the Cubs fan sitting in yeah, front of us. Yeah, there was a Cubs
0: fan right in front of us. So you leaned in and, and yeah, just laid it right on them. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> and I really wish that... I wish two things. I wish I had mentioned that to you so that we would yeah. have coordinated that. And yeah, I on I also either wish side of the Cubs I fan would have been amazing. Tape, I had a, a recording of that game. <laughs> but you know so that game was amazing though it was one of the greatest games I've ever been to actually I agree I think Smoltz struck out 19 in that game in Pedro 1 yeah and
0: what was it it was uh, a Beltran home run in the 8th I don't, I don't think it was the ninth. Were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really late in the game. I know I thought about looking it up, but then it's like, it's less, you know, natural storytelling than if I looked up all the stats and everything, but yeah, they, you know, Pedro, uh, Pedro pitched great, but I think he'd given up a, a, a run or maybe, no, I Down think just it. one. And then there was like somebody on and Beltran hits a home run, like in the eighth inning. So the fact that Smoltz struck out 19, it, it didn't matter. Um, I, I, I did they? I think they had Billy Wagner at that point. No, no, no. It was it was Looper. Oh, oh <laughs> Looper, Looper's rough. Looper's rough. It's a it's a great uh, Mike Francesa moment. Mets fans just yeah. it said it all. Looper's rough because he's right. You know, <laughs> Mike Francesa doesn't know a lot of things, but sometimes he's able to sense that. Which uh, I, I was thinking of a feature for a future episode of uh, things I'm glad I'm never going to hear anymore. And one of those, not at the top of the list, but pretty close, is warming up in the bullpen, Braden Looper. The other is, hi, I'm Joe Buck. Tim McCarver's coming right up. But anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a future episode. So we were at a great game there. Yeah, uh, and then, But that's the one. You that's know? <laughs> the one. But then in D.C., we actually did really well last year. Uh, Jonathan, if you could go to our picture number three, we went to the opening series in D.C. The Mets played the Nats on opening day. And um, I... I wanted to show the picture with Vinny, a random fan, but then I realized when you post stuff like that on the internet, you kind of have to, you know, get uh, permission or I didn't want to pixelate his beautiful face out. So maybe I'll I'll tweet it out, but I didn't want to put it in the show. So uh, there's a picture of us from the the third game of 2015. The Mets won two out of three in that series. Mm -hmm. That was a Harvey day back when happy Harvey days were uh, common. And uh, he pitched against Strasburg. That was a great game. So we went to a couple of great games and, you know, the Mets went so far in 2015, probably because we were there for the opening series. Would you agree? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, but anyway, so it's frustrating when you live in a city and your team doesn't play that well against the home team. I've seen so many miserable games against the Dodgers. There was a four-game series a few years ago. They won the first three of four, and I was just like, I don't know how this happened, Um, you know. Then I was at a pretty great NLDS game five last uh, October, I, I so would say that that,
1: made up for a lot. That
0: makes up for for a little bit, but um, I very quietly uh, left the stadium and didn't celebrate till I got in the car with my friend. But that's just being smart. Anyway, so look, Why? nothing ever happens to fans outside of Dodger Stadium. Well, here's the thing: nothing happens if you're if you're smart about it. Not that you know that the 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 famous story of the guy who got hurt in the parking lot. Not to diminish what happened to him for the more casual incidents that happen, like those guys were just looking for somebody. They wanted to really mess somebody up in general. You just don't talk back and it's a lot easier. Or if somebody says the Mets suck, I usually laugh and go, they sure do. Or, you know, you're telling me like, I know. All right. You don't have to remind me, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I don't know. They they were they were all right, but uh, I was just uh, playing it all pretty close to the vest because, you know, they knew they were going to be back in the playoffs in 2016 with the one-two punch of Kershaw and Granke that they were all sure they would have forever. So, you know, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, as we focus, sorry, we went down a little rabbit hole there, but as we look back at uh, the, the series at the beginning of the week, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but... There's a lot of bad things about Matt Harvey's loss on Tuesday because of the rain delay, stupid Mm -hmm. weather. That's one thing we don't usually have to worry about out here is weather ruining our baseball. Uh, So that was unfortunate. But when I saw that uh, Oliver Perez got the win, I was like, oh, come on. Like, why yeah. do you got to make it that much worse for Mets fans? It's bad enough.
1: Okay. That was brutal.
0: The, that was definitely uh, brutal. Or as uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo would say, brutal. brutal. That was a brutal one. But, uh, and then, you know, Scherzer beat Verrett on Wednesday. That was the one where you kind of looked at that matchup and you're like, Scherzer against Verrett. Yeah, that's going to go well. You yeah. Know? but Those uh, are the
1: weird ones that, that, so frequently go the other way though. that's Ones true that you can't see a possible way of coming out in, in, in the way that you would want right oh. and they, that's probably the one they got closest to winning yeah <laughs> actually, yeah,
0: I know because they, they got a couple runs late in the game after what was it like 25 innings of not scoring they love giving right. those stats and, you know, and, th- and these are these are the Mets broadcasters you see give those stats. I can't even imagine watching a game on ESPN or MLB Network, you know, where or worse. Masson. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to watch the Masson <laughs> broadcasts that <laughs> friends of Mets Rap 360. I think it- there's nothing worse than having to watch your home team. On a uh, you know the opposing team's broadcast, which happens a lot if you have the MLBX trainings package. But if you live somewhere like Washington D.C., you know the games are you can't watch them on any of the uh, digital packages. So you have to just put up with probably the worst broadcast team. And I don't even know the other guy's name, but F- FP Santangelo is so bad that that guy could be Vin Scully, and it wouldn't matter. By the way, he's not Vin Scully because. It's not that terrible when Vince Gilli calls a, a, a Mets Dodgers game, but uh, the the road crew that the uh, the Dodgers broadcast have is is pretty rough. But uh, anyway, so yeah, they came pretty close in that Wednesday game. And to kind of transition to the good part of the week, that you know, the part that you look at and you go like, all right, look, the Cubs are just running away with everything right now. Best record in major league baseball. And, you know, sure. The Mets played them well in the playoffs, but that was the last year, you know, these, these Mets can't score. So, and really up until the, what was it? The seventh inning of the first game on Thursday, you're like, Mm -hmm. was John lackey. You know, is he, is he found the fountain of youth or, the Fountain of Barry Bonds? I don't know what, allegedly. Um, and he, he looked good. And, you know, that was a great, something we hadn't seen a lot of this year, a come from behind victory. You know, the Mets right. string some hits together. They score some runs. They look good late in games. And it was great. And that was a good feeling. And they really didn't look back the rest of the series, you know. The uh, the Friday game was uh, preposterous, but then this one was also more preposterous. And that's the thing, too, is you look and we talked about this last week on the show, John, that, you know, look, if you can if you can split the series with the Cubs, that's great. You know, maybe maybe win at least one from the Nats, but sweeping the Cubs was also to quote Mike Francesa. Huge. So uh, give us your thoughts a little bit about that series, John, uh, how it unfolded. And I'll go into some of the specifics, but uh, just as sort of a general feeling.
1: I, I'm i still I'm speechless. I'm probably the wrong I'm the wrong person to be on right now because I don't know what I can say about this. They this was really kind of out of nowhere. And they picked up yeah. right where they left off in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. It seemed so, like each game got more and more convincing. You yeah.
0: Know? Last year in the regular season, the Cubs swept the Mets, uh, seven games, and now the, uh, Mets have beaten the Cubs eight straight games, which is crazy. Uh, and you know, uh, the, uh, 10 2 Jason Hamill game is kind of the one that I predicted. Uh, Cause I remember like, okay, that's the one, you know, DeGrom, even if he's a little shaky, which he wasn't, even if he is, I feel like they can get that done. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and you know, what happened in that game? Oh yeah. Nimmo. Nimo with the three-run home run. He had a great catch. He'd gotten his first MLB, uh, MLB RBI. I don't know why. I, tra- I think there was too many uh, letters abbreviations. MLB RBI. I think I was probably going to, you know, string those together if I wasn't careful. Uh, I don't know. And that that was great. I was very excited. And I don't know what the word Nimo means, but I'm pretty sure it translates into. Conforto who? So, look, Nemo's looked great, and that series, uh, those first couple games were fantastic. And then yesterday, Jake Arrieta, you know, you know,
1: they caught him at the right time because he's did. been a little shaky the last he, three or four starts. Yeah, he's
0: struggled. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably be great in two weeks when they're at Wrigley, which is what I was talking about when I said I might regret my little song at the beginning, not just because I'm a terrible singer, but because, you know, the the Mets are going to be in Wrigley, uh, be at Wrigley early in the post break part of the season, the second half, as it were. So, you know, that might not go well. Arietta will probably pitch well then but yeah he didn't look good and you know Madden kind of yanked him a little bit early and you know only because he probably would have given up five or six runs if he'd uh, faced a couple more batters but uh that was great Cologne pitched just as well as he needed to you know and that's what we want out of the guy who says he's 43 but might be 53 the guy who has Two families, might have four families, allegedly. We don't know. We don't know what he does, but he's great. He's big, sexy. We love the guy. Um, And you got to see him hit a homer. I did. I got to see him hit a homer in San Diego. I was very excited about that. I I told Felix, uh, my uh, almost one-year-old son, that uh, he saw Bartolo Colon's first, last, and only home run. He might pitch another 10 years. I still feel pretty confident about that. But uh, today's game, let's talk about today's game. I mean... Uh, John Lester, or as our uh, New England friends say, Johnny Lester, uh, didn't have it. And I did write down some stats because these these were striking. So he had a great month of June. In 44 and two-thirds innings pitched in June, he gave up seven earned runs in those six starts. Well, today, in one and a third inning... You guessed it. He gave up 7 earned runs. Should have been 9. Should have been 9, I agree. But uh that was just crazy. And it was, you know, when the Mets faced the Cubs in the NLCS last year, I was definitely worried about Lester. You just felt like, all right, that's uh, sorry, I was much more worried about Arietta than Lester. I felt like Lester was was beatable, especially yep. and give me your thoughts on this. This is crazy. A major league pitcher who has been on the mound as many times as John Lester, he can't throw to first. He still can't. So, and it came up today and I kind of forgot because it's so insane. So bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's like Mackie Sasser, but you know. He didn't have the success that Lester did. I
1: don't know how you can possibly be a successful pitcher, which, by the way, is what really, really concerns me about Cindergaard actually, because he was just exposed the other day. And yeah. any, team who, any team that can run is going to do a number on him if they get on base. And we've seen uh, that a lot so that this works. season. Now,
0: he had a nice pickoff today, which, mm-hmm. as Keith Hernandez pointed, I think was the first of the season. But, you know, work on that a little more. You know, maybe tweet a little bit less. I don't know, but uh, I I do enjoy his presence on Twitter, so it's hard for me to say that. But you know, work yeah. on that pickoff a little more. Uh, yeah. you know, check check the runners back. You know, do some things. But yeah, it uh, it's, but it's a good point that
1: Lester can't. Throw it's over. crazy. It's you know, I mean, how he can possibly be successful? Um, yeah. Well, you know how actually how both of them can be successful is nobody runs anymore. You know, yes, yeah. the, the stolen base is becoming a lost art form. So that's yeah. that's how they can actually get through it,
0: yeah no, no no, i definitely, I definitely agree it it's not something you're seeing as much anymore. And it's funny because the angels used to do that a lot. They used to play what they call national league ball. But as uh, Mike Soch gotten older, you just feel like he can't, he can't watch them run. So he's like, nah, that's all right. Just try and get the, <laughs> try and get the six run home run or whatever. But, uh, you know, one of the uh, biggest knocks against the Mets for pretty much the whole season has been runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. So in that second inning where they scored seven runs, they were five for seven with running runners in scoring position. And this is kind of what we've seen a few times from the Mets. Like, like when they have those games, like they had that crazy game against the Giants where they scored 12 runs, you know, and it's just like, man, they can really get it all firing. And it's like, what happens on the other days? You know, yeah, it's just not and happening. You know, typically they rely so much on the
1: home run that, you know, that that's going to be really prone to outages over time. You know, yeah. You're, you, you which we've seen a lot of. Season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although I feel a little bit better about that going into the 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 hottest part of the summer because the ball carries better. You know, yeah. It's, that's actually, uh, there's a, a physicist from Yale who did a whole study on this. And, uh, the, the ball actually carries four feet farther for every 10 degree change in temperature. So, wow, yeah, there's actually, they've, they, They've done some physics on this. Leave it to the um, scientists
0: to try and take the fun out of baseball. But it is interesting. It is interesting. I have to. You know, um, I
1: can't resist good numbers. No, now. I know. So,
0: okay. So, um, yeah. But,
1: yeah, so that, it should keep going. But really what I think this team needs and needed, um, they they need a personality who can really spark them. And I think that's what Nimmo did this week. Yeah. You know, I saw a, uh, I saw a great quote on Twitter or somebody likening him to, uh, uh, Rube from major league two, <laughs> nice. which was perfect. I thought, yeah. yeah. So, um, and you know, this is my, my optimist side, but maybe just maybe Reyes will give them that too. Cause that's what he was always best at, you know, yeah. ca- causing no, no. some havoc and, and having this exuberant personality. Granted, I'm i I'm still a little bit torn, what with the whole domestic violence thing you know but
0: yeah no and we talked (laughs) about that how it's tough you know but i don't know it's
1: i just enjoyed him watching him play so much so
0: much yeah i mean he he really was my favorite player for a few years there and uh i have a jersey that i'm hoping i get to wear again i actually wore it on the show a few weeks ago and i'm like hey i saved it so, uh, in our, in our final few uh, moments here, uh, John, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, you and I. We have talked about games we went to that were maybe tough to sit through. Now, <laughs> two games we went to that were losses were a lot of fun to be at, hugely disappointing. But we went to a couple games at the. We were a couple World Series games, not the one they won. We were at games four and five, and our uh, viewers on YouTube see a photo of you and I with uh, Marlin Man. And Cowbell Man, they're public figures. I felt like that was fine to put up there. And, uh, I mean, that was so much fun to be at. We sat with the Seven Line Army. Shout out mm. to the Seven line, line Army. We get one in at least once per show. And, I don't know. I mean, that was, in terms of games the Mets lost, that was probably the most fun one I've ever, the most fun loss I've ever been at, for sure. Definitely. The, the next night was was not as fun. No. Uh, and not just because of that idiot woman who was trying to get us to do the wave that I... Uh, <laughs> I
1: just lost. It. I still. I I forgot about that. Oh, you know? I don't. I, I yeah. tried to block that out, but, but yeah, that, you it, really gotta. just. No,
0: but I. But she was just like, "Hey, we're gonna start the wave." I'm like, "No, we're not. Sit down. This is an elimination <laughs> game in the World Series. But we're here to have fun." I was like, "No, we're not. <laughs> Sit down." Anyway, I, I I still feel very strongly about that. Sure. Uh, Although
1: know. she was only the 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 second biggest transgression at that game. Oh, yeah. After what? The guy sitting in front of us in the Alomar jersey. I thought it was a Mervon jersey, but
0: yeah, you're right. You can't wear an Alomar jersey. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the final picture I want to show is of us uh, also from that same game. It was Halloween. It so was. I put on the uh, the Noah wig you have on the Jacob wig. I think you still own those wigs, right?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably somewhere. They might even be in the trunk of your car. Who knows? But mm, uh, no. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, that was so much fun to go to. And, uh, look, when you have some of the games that you've sat through, uh, actually getting into the World Series, being lucky enough to go to it is great. Now, the next time I'd like to go to a World Series uh, that they win, ideally the clincher, but, you know. I'll just settle for whatever. But uh, it's been
1: a dream of mine, my whole yeah.
0: life. Uh, we do have one game in our immediate future, though. Uh, take a it's quick true. moment to tell our listeners about what we have planned for the first game out of the All Star break.
1: Is it really? Yes, it I is. I didn't even know that part. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, uh, well, By the way, it should, which means yeah, it uh,
0: should be. If I had to guess, probably Syndergaard and Nola. You know, I don't know if he's still the best pitcher in no the But anyway, yeah. So uh that's the night before I get married. Yeah, that's your bachelor party. We're going to go to a to a nice Italian restaurant not too far from Citizens Bank Park. We're gonna go check out a Mets Phillies game. It should be fun. There's there's some surprises planned along the way. Uh, we're going with strippers. No, we're not. We're going with two close friends of ours. Or or, or who please, will be dressed?
1: Please let the Buren Homes keep their clothes on.
0: They might be dressed as strippers. They might be using those wigs actually from the earlier uh, Syndergaard Gram photo. Oh. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. Look, we have a, we still have another week before the break. We've got three games against the Marlins. It's uh, Harvey Kohler, Matt Chen, DeGrom Nicolino. You, you feel okay going into that, but you feel okay with lots of matchups. The thing is to not embarrass yourselves heading into the break. Four games at home against the Nets, And uh, we should get both Strasburg and Scherzer. But and Giolito. I was going to say, we're going to get Gio this time, right? We're gonna get Gio yep. Gonzalez this time, I think. I don't know. I don't know. It's We're definitely t- getting Giolito again for a really, second start. I'm really Ross bad at predicting. I'm really bad at predicting the pitching matchups, so I, I'm trying not to do it. But those, the ones for the uh, for the Nats, uh, sorry for the the Marlins, was announced, so I felt like that was okay. Anyway, uh, so how do you feel about uh, those last seven games heading into? The uh, break, considering, of course, that the Marlins are playing a night game right now, and then they'll be for an afternoon game at City Field tomorrow. That could help. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's helpful. Uh, it's very helpful. I'm I'm always extremely trepidatious when it comes to the Marlins. Um, they have always done a number on the Mets, no matter how good or bad they are in a year. So I agree. Uh, yeah. They worry me. I think these next seven games are totally critical because if they – if the Mets come up short, um, they could be looking at, you know, seven or eight games out at the break, and that's a bad place to be.
0: Yeah, and entrenched in third place because the Marlins are sort of just sitting there, you know, kind of vying for the wild card just like the Mets are. Mm -hmm. So uh, it'll be an interesting week, but I'll enjoy catching catching our breath as we head into the break and, uh, of course – the uh the game that we're gonna go to in philly which is a fun place sort of Uh um, well,
1: could possibly go but wrong but
0: the best thing about being in philly <laughs> is that there are so many mets fans in south jersey that yeah. it's so much quicker for them to just go to philly than to go up to city field so right. like i'm counting on us sitting somewhere with a with a strong trenton contingent uh strong That's helpful yeah because
1: then you know it's more it's more likely that one of them gets punched yeah which is helpful <laughs> right. um I figure we're okay as long as like I'm not the one who gets arrested, then we'll be all right.
0: Yeah, right? I think uh, Adam and Jared, uh, one of them. Actually, Adam shouldn't because he's driving. But anyway, we'll figure it out, and I'll have mm-hmm. a full report after the break. Uh, anyway, uh, John, we appreciate you spending some time here on Mets Wrap 360. Uh, plenty more Mets uh, stuff to talk about, so I feel like we'll have to have you back on down the road when we've got that's the perfect. whole gang here. But uh, I will uh, talk to you very soon and, and see you soon, and that's at JohnPatPette on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. You have a media plug, and I just got it in. Uh, Oh, one final thing. Who was your player of the week? I knew I wanted to ask you something. Who do you think was the best?
1: You told me who yours was, and unfortunately, I have to say the same. That's right. Say it, and I'll just be like, yeah, me too. I I really think it's Nimmo, just for what I said before, because he really just sparked this team during those those several days. His,
0: His excitement and energy seems infectious. Like it was oozing through the, s- the screen while I watched. He had that huge smile. seems like that a goofy smile kid. after yeah. the
1: home run. Yeah. In the and, it was amazing.
0: And just, yeah, I think he's still smiling from that home run. So, I
1: am. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I agree. I, I loved seeing Nimmo. I hope uh, Conforto is... Productive down in triple A, and he comes back too he having them both on the team is is I think only an asset, especially when you have so many older players so uh, yeah, I agree uh, nimmo's my player of the week anyway, so uh, thank you uh, John pett and uh, we 'll talk to him again soon, uh, and in a moment we 'll be joined by our uh, other co host uh, Matt Ritter. But our absent co-host, uh, Andrea Fasano, on Twitter at Andy Fasano, A-N-D-I-F-A-S-A-N-O, she picked for her player of the week, James Loney. And at the point when she picked it, he had two home runs and five RBI, because I texted her kind of in the middle of the week, and I was like, great, that sounds good to me. Um, this was This was kind of in the pre-NIMO era. Uh, while we wait for Matt, just a couple things to let you guys know. You can follow us on Twitter at ABTVMets, Mets, and you can follow Matt Ritter at Matt Ritter One. Matt, welcome back to your show that you do usually right down there at the seat I just pointed at. Matt Ritter, welcome to Mets Wrap Three Hundred and Sixty.
2: What did I miss, guys? What did I miss?
0: You missed. You missed a. You know how last week we said that that was the best week of Mets baseball since we had started the show. And look, this past week had a really ugly stretch, but you go four and three and that four is sweeping the Cubs who everybody was anointing, you know, world series championships in spring training. Uh, That's a pretty good feeling. Would you
2: agree, Matt? Guys, I can only echo the sentiment of those two guys from Zamunda when they ran into Eddie Murphy (laughs) in coming to America in the bathroom. This is the greatest day of my life! (laughs) Of my life! I, I think that's a great
0: point, you know. And when I was talking about the Mets losing to the Braves, I posited the idea, if you lose to the worst team in baseball, does that make you the worst team in baseball? So now I have to ask... Kind of knowing the answer, but it's a good feeling at least. If you beat the best team in baseball, does that mean you're at least capable of being the best team? Better than maybe we gave them credit for? Or is it really going to just depend on how it all plays out, Matt?
2: You know, if the Nationals had lost any games during this stretch, I might have been like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, great. We they are lost, the champions. They we lost, gained uh, zero ground.
0: No, no, we gained one game because they lost in late extra innings uh, nine to four to the Reds That's on correct. Saturday. But, yeah, I know we should have, you know, would have been great to gain a game or two or whatever, but they gained the one game. So, But I know what I'll you're saying. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, the shine is off the Cubs, but I was never worried about the Cubs.
0: No, I wasn't either, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, you just, you kind of see a lot of the shortcomings that the Cubs have, and, you know, they they did what they need to do, which is beat up on bad teams, and there are a lot of bad teams in the NL Central, I mean, even contending teams like the Cardinals can be beaten pretty easily compared to years past, so, yeah, I, I'm with you, I, I but... It was just the way that they just got battered around by the Mets was so impressive. And I have to admit, it felt good. Usually a week of Mets baseball has some peaks and valleys and you try to enjoy the peaks. But this was a good feeling. I'm glad that this came after the uh, the sweep by the Nats. But uh,
2: I just feel good heading into
0: next week. How do you feel heading into the oh, All-Star well, break?
2: I, I, I feel tremendous. Um, I feel... First of all, a lot better that the Pats have woken up going into, you know, a series against Miami, which, you know, we shouldn't fear them, but they're playing well. You know, I feel like a lot of individual players on the Mets have regained confidence. I mean, it's nice for us to look at the team as a whole and say, oh, their confidence is back. But really, it's about each individual player having confidence. I mean, you look at, obviously, starting with Flores. I mean, he, he feels like a starting third baseman in Major League Baseball now. Yeah. And then you got Granderson. Anderson. You know Granderson's really come around. You've got look Darno. Uh, you know and Rivera. The combo of Darno and Rivera, which I always liked, uh, is looking like a really solid. You know catching combo. Darno's starting to hit. Uh, it just it looks now like a like a really solid lineup. I mean, look, I think Lagares too. You know, even today we don't have anybody else on our team that can hit a short pop up and end up on second base.
0: Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And a healthy Lagarus is a huge asset. And you and I had talked, you know, when he went on the DL, he had just begun hitting. It was great to see him. So hopefully he picks right back up. Having him in the mix, and I love Nimmo. I was just talking about Nimmo with uh, my friend John. And Nimmo was my player of the week. Uh, It's just so exciting to see somebody that excited about playing baseball for the Mets. Usually you see people... You know, they make their debut. They're that excited about playing baseball for a team that's beating the Mets. So it's a great feeling. You know, obviously, as with anything, the whole house of cards could get knocked down. But it's a good feeling right now. I think it'll be a a tough series against the Marlins. But also, you know, just something you, you can't embarrass yourself in these four games against the Nats headed into the break. Right, Matt? No, look. I look at
2: the schedule right now and I'm saying to myself, if we've really taken a step forward, we've got to go 5-2 and two somehow in these last seven games. Yeah. You know, anything short of that, it's like, all right, well, it's fine, but we still have a long, long way to go in standings. And, you know, frankly, right now it seems like, you know, Cologne's locked in, DeGrom is locked in, Syndergaard is locked in. I mean, those guys, to me, look like we have nothing to worry about with those three. Harvey, you know, again, Harvey seems to be coming around. Yeah, We don't know what's going on with Matt's elbow, but presumably he's going to be fine. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, you know, over the course of, you know, the first half of the season, if you're looking up and you're going, okay, you know, we're 44-37 and 37 through a first half that was plagued by injury, yeah. you got to feel pretty good.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Look, I feel a lot better than I did a week ago, and I felt pretty good a week ago, you know? So uh, there, there really was that midweek point, and we've talked about this, I'm so glad we don't do the show on Wednesday or Thursday because it's always such a brutal point in the week and usually Oh my god,
2: what is it? What is it about the midweek uh, suicide watch, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, I know. You and I will interact on Twitter sometimes about those seem to be the worst games. And, you know, the uh, Thursday was not that. But, uh, you know, usually we get the Sunday game where that's the one that puts us over the hump of, like, was it a 500 week? Was it a below 500 week? But, uh, you know, heading into today, you were like, you really need to win this game against the Cubs to go for the four-game sweep. But if they hadn't, they looked so good in those three. But uh, I was greedy. I wanted it. I was glad we got it. And I agree with you. I think we need to see a five-and-two week headed into the break. I'm going to say... And that- you, know,
2: you, know what else, you know what else I was going to say? you know, sure. look, The one thing, I think the best thing that came out of this series uh, was battering. Uh, uh, battering um, a lot of top-flight starters you know, especially Arietta, but, you know, starters that you're probably going to face in the playoffs, I think what needs to happen uh, in the National Series more than anything is, you know, whether it's Strasburg or whether it's uh, Scherzer, we got to put up three or four runs on one of those guys.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: I, I think we have to put a little, I think we have to put a little chink in their armor. Those two, because that's really at the end of the day what it comes down to is, you know, you can't and dealt in a playoff series against, you know, two guys that have become unhittable to
0: you. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I definitely agree with that. And it would be good that, you know, if, say, they lose to those guys, if they at least have a good showing and actually put up a few runs, that's, you know, getting a little bit closer. And, yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier, uh, my guest John and I, that we definitely got Arietta at it at the right time. But it does show, you know, that he is beatable. And uh, he clearly showed it. Uh, we only have a, another uh, couple minutes, Matt. So um, before I ask you who your player of the week was, uh, tell our listeners uh, where you are right now, why you're not here. And uh, maybe if uh, any any of our listeners are in the area, they can come check out what's going on.
2: I would love to believe that we have some San Diego Mets fans uh, listening to us right now. If we do, I'm on the way to Madhouse Comedy Club, a tremendous club in downtown uh, San Diego. It's on Horton Street. And uh, if you come down there and you uh, say you heard about it from After buzz, I'll make sure to get you free tickets at the door. Hey, uh,
0: look at that. I know for a fact we have a listener in uh, Calabasas, except I think he's 15. So I don't think he can go. But if his dad wants to go, uh, mention AfterBuzz. But that's great. And yeah, on Twitter, it's at Madhouse Comedy, And I'm going to go the, the old school step The number is 619-702-6666, because I like that. In the old days, you always would give the comedy club phone number. But uh, anybody interested, uh, check out Matt, and uh, we'll always uh, try and do a good job of uh, promoting any shows that Matt has around the country, because Mets fans, we are around the country. Uh, So in our final minute, Matt, who would you say was your player of the week this week?
2: You know, it's so funny, because obviously you know that I texted you Earlier in the week, I said DeGrom because he demanded to come back out of the rain delay, which I really liked because of, you know, the taxing of our relievers, first of all. yeah, But also because, you know, it goes against conventional wisdom that says, oh, you know, if it's been over an hour, you got to shut him down. And we probably would have lost that, that game, you know. And it it could have changed the whole tone of the series. But I now have to give it to Flores because, you know, you see six for six once every ten years.
0: Yeah, I, I know, and I, I liked the move. I, I assume you heard that uh, Edgardo Alfonso called Wilmer after the game and said, hey, welcome to the 6-for-6 six six club, because I believe they're the only Mets that went 6-for-6 six six in a game. And, uh, you know, I you that. Yeah, I
2: that. so
0: that's great. And,
2: I'll say, I'll, I'll, listen, I want to I say this one thing before I get off about Flores. I'm really tired of people jumping the gun on this whole theory that we need a Quote unquote, you know, real third baseman without having given this guy a chance to play one full year at third base for the Mets.
0: No, I agree. I, I like Wilmer a lot. And, you know, from the moment where we saw him crying on the field onward, just he's become this sort of like folk hero legend for Mets fans. And uh, I don't know, I I, I have a very soft spot in my heart and I'd hate to see him lose playing time, at least significant playing time. And, you know, I I do think that adding Reyes into the mix only helps, but uh, I do hope that we get to see Wilmer a lot more. But, uh, you know, look, we'll figure it out. I I think, well, you know, we'll figure out how to watch it. We won't figure it out because we don't have to put all these players anywhere. But uh, I look forward to seeing it. And and Matt, I believe you'll be back with us next week for our last show before the uh, All-Star break, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that'll be after we've swept the Marlins, hopefully, and I'm already up two games. On the is that will it, will we finish that whole series by
0: then? Yeah, that the the Sunday game is a is a ten a.m. Pacific time start, so yeah, that game should be over by then. So, uh, we'll, so we'll
2: we'll uh, we'll we'll be done with the entire slate of first half games. Yeah,
0: exactly. We'll know where we stand wow. heading into the break, so that'll be great. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for your time, and that's at Matt Ritter One on Twitter. Make sure that you follow him. I'm at Christian DMZ on Twitter, and the show is at ABTV Mets. And even though she's not here, I will once again promote Andrew Fasano at Andy Fasano, and we will see you next time for Mets Wrap
2: 360.